Hey Grizzlies fans, this is Joe Mullinax, a Grizzly Bear Blue site manager. I just wanted to give you a heads up that we recorded this podcast right before the news broke that the NBA was suspending its season indefinitely due to the positive COVID-19 test for Rudy Gobert. So just wanted to let you know in advance that this episode was recorded before then and does not reflect that breaking news. Thanks guys. Enjoy the podcast. Gentlemen, welcome, welcome once again to a new episode of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax, wherever you are, however you may be taking in the podcast. Thank you so much for making us a part of your Memphis Grizzlies fan experience. It is crazy times, not just in the NBA and and the world of the Memphis Grizzlies, but in the world in general. Uh, Coronavirus is a pandemic. It's creating all sorts of havoc. There's going to be lots of empty arena basketball and other sports Uh, major events on the horizon like the Masters, uh, WrestleMania, which maybe isn't as important as the Masters, but large gatherings of folks. It just seems like that's not going to be happening uh, for the foreseeable future in the United States and around the globe. It's pretty amazing the times that we live in, and we'll talk about that a little bit here at the front of the show. And then we're going to get to your questions. No guests this week. It's just going to be me and my co-host, Parker Fleming, who I'll be bringing in here momentarily, taking some of your questions from social media, Facebook, Twitter. We have great followers of GBB and all of our social media accounts. We'll be answering some of your questions over the span of this episode of GBB Live. Ways to get in touch with the podcast, you can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow the site, grizzlybearblues.com, the one that I am so fortunate to be the site manager of for SB Nation at SBN Grizzlies. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax, M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. And you can follow my co-host, associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com, Mr. Parker Fleming at Paca underscore Flocka. Mr. Paca underscore Flocka, how are you underscore doing this evening? <laughs> I'm good. Um, just, you know, an underscore kind of a day with all this craze going on behind the coronavirus. I, I'm not going to go on a tangent on the coronavirus for this podcast because we've seen a lot of uh, opinions, I guess, is the right opinions, takes, whatever. Very opinionated people, and I'm, I have a feeling that none of them or very few of them are actually, you know, PhDs and doctors and folks that actually study pandemics. Right, exactly. Yeah, so I'm going to let the medical people handle that. I will just do what I'm told and do what I can do to keep myself clean. That's my thing. I, I'm fortunate enough to have a, a guest spot every Wednesday with Gary Parrish over on 92.9 FM in, in Memphis at ESPN Radio. And we talked about it on his show on Wednesday. You know, I like to think maybe I'm kind of a Grizzlies expert at this point. I've watched them enough, followed them enough, written enough. Maybe, you know, folks value my Grizzlies opinion at this stage of my life. I am not a doctor. I do not have any medical understanding uh, beyond I don't feel good. Tell me why. Or here's why Google perhaps tells me why I don't. Everything is cancer. So I'm constantly terrified when I have a a ailment or an ailment, whatever might be happening to me. Um, So I am going to go with the folks from Harvard and Princeton 
and Stanford and all these much smarter people than me who are saying that this is something we should be paying attention to. So I'm going to defer to them. Uh, I, I understand the frustration. Trust me, I'm a, I, I literally have made sports a major part of my professional life in a variety of ways. So I get that the NCAA tournament without fans is going to be weird. I understand that the NBA potentially uh, suspending their season or playing games in empty arenas is not ideal. But at the same time, you know, I like my grandmas and I like elderly people. And I think that we need to have a better grasp of what the hell is happening uh, before we decide that we really need to go watch this basketball game. I think that pushing pause on stuff and figuring out what's happening and getting things cleaned up and and better preparing ourselves for what this reality may be, because nobody really knows for sure what's going to happen. Even the smartest person on these issues doesn't really know. We have an idea, but it could go in a variety of different ways. And the good news is, as I talked about with GP, everybody says it's still fixable in the United States. We don't have to be under mass quarantine like Italy is uh, just yet, but we got to start taking this more seriously. But chances are you didn't log on to Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Stitcher or Spotify or iHeart or over to grizzlybearblue.com. Wherever you're taking in the show, you're probably not listening for our hot takes on the coronavirus. So we're going to go ahead and get into our fan installment of GBB Live. So what we did, obviously we do the question of the day every time we do a podcast, but this time we actually opened up to questions from you. And I was pleasantly surprised, Parker. Uh, it wasn't quite a mailbag. Lots of folks do the mailbag bit. I was just like, hey, if you have any questions for me, uh, for us at Grizzly Bear Blues Live, feel free to ask them and we'll kind of tackle them as best we can. And the way that it'll work, we got so many questions, Parker, that we're going to answer some of them over the span of the next 30 minutes or so in podcast form. And then in an article over at GBB on Thursday, I'm going to answer some other ones and uh, we're getting some good hashtag content out of the fan questions. So it's always nice this time of year to get content about the Memphis Grizzlies. The idea is, you know, even in a successful year, sometimes the well can run dry a little bit when it comes to uh, writing on the site. Absolutely. I agree. So let's just get this thing started. Absolutely. We're going to start with Twitter and we're going to start with Matthew Filderman. Hopefully I'm not mispronouncing that. Uh, it is at DJ Fildyfield, which is one of the greatest uh, handles on Twitter. Uh, the question he asks us is, is there enough cap space to keep both Josh Jackson and DeAnthony Melton if they keep up their level of play throughout the rest of the year? It's an interesting question. It's one that's been tackled here, there, and everywhere. Uh, the, the long and short of it is maybe, <laughs> depending on how they handle things like Marco Guterich's contract. Obviously, they could do some things with Kyle Anderson potentially. Uh, but the thing about the Kyle, excuse me, the thing about the Josh Jackson deal, Parker, is because the Grizzlies did not opt into that fourth year of his contract, the max amount that Memphis can offer Josh Jackson is a one year, roughly $9 million, maybe a little bit less than $9 million deal. They can't offer him any more than that. That was put into the CBA to ensure the teams wouldn't opt out of a rookie deal early to sign a young star earlier than they're supposed to. Like John Morant might be a good example of that. Maybe Memphis in year three wants to max out John Morant and get him locked down long-term. This is put in place to prevent that. Obviously, the Grizzlies are in a different spot with Josh. They didn't opt in because they weren't sure they wanted him around long-term. Turns out that he is being productive. He's really been part of the reason the Grizzlies have been able to hold on to the eight seed and kind of get out of their tailspin. 
Uh, the reserves have been really good for Memphis of late, and Josh Jackson has kind of led the charge. But all the Grizzlies can offer is a one-year deal for about $9 million. Teams like the New York Knicks, others in free agency that might have cap space to burn, if they offer a two-year or three-year deal with multiple years and maybe Josh values that money at this stage and the security of a, of a long-term contract, I have to imagine Josh Jackson would be really interested in taking that. So I do believe the Anthony Melton's a priority for them. I think that they are going to really prioritize locking him down, and they have enough money to do that for sure. Technically, they could keep Josh as well, but it's going to come down to what Josh wants. I think he's going to have suitors. Is he going to want multi-year stability, or is he going to maybe bet on himself, stay in Memphis? Because he'll have a role in Memphis with the Grizzlies off the bench and maybe really kind of prolong his career and do the old bet on yourself bit like Joe Flacco in the NFL did and other guys have done elsewhere. So they can, they can do some cab gymnastics and make it work. I think Melton's be the priority. The key with Josh Jackson is, is he going to value the role that he might have in Memphis and uh, being on a team that's continuing to try to strive to get better? Or is he going to take money and stability uh, with a team that maybe isn't as good or even a team that is as good, just money and years? Given where Josh has come just in the six to eight months that he's been around the Memphis Grizzlies, I think he'd be foolish to not pursue those multi-year deals. What say you, Parker? Um, I think they can keep both. From what I read from Omari Zankofa's mailbag a few days ago, they can – so, you know, they like you said, they can offer Josh Jackson what – is it like a – they can only offer like a one-year deal, correct? One year up to correct. $8 million. Yeah, eight or nine, I believe. Yeah, so they can go into the mid-level to bring back Josh Jackson, and because DeAnthony Melton's a restricted free agent, they can go over cap um, and match any offer. And honestly, the salary cap, the money's going to dry this summer because a lot of these teams last year, they signed two-year deals so they can reload and get cap space for 2021 or perhaps three-year deals for the 2022 free agency. It's very similar to that Jermichael Green free agency a few years ago where everybody was like, oh, he's going to get paid, but money's going to dry out. And I just think because of that, they'll keep both. But Josh, it's I still want to kind of know, like, what's his reputation around the league? Because didn't I think y'all mentioned on a uh, GBB Live a few months ago with Gary Parrish where his reputation may not be ideal. It's not right? the best. Right. It's not the best. And so maybe people want to see a larger sample size beyond half a season. So I think, and also I think he likes being here. You know, I think there's like a, you can tell, you know, on the court, on the bench. And then I can tell when I'm in the locker and that Josh Jackson really enjoys being here. So maybe he does value that culture aspect and being in a comfortable place where he can be himself. And I do think that the way that the Grizzlies handled the Josh Jackson situation obviously has been a hot-button topic uh, throughout the season. Our, our buddy Anthony Sane has talked a good bit about that. I know Isaac Simpson, who's been on the podcast in the past, has talked about that. Um, it's been an interesting back and forth. I personally think the Grizzlies handled it well. I know others don't necessarily agree. That leads us into our next question. So thanks uh, first and foremost to Matthew Filderman for his question about Josh and DeAnthony to answer it again. I think they'll probably uh, be in a position to keep both, but I think Melton is far more likely than Jackson at this stage. Uh, Matthew Miller at C of O S sports guy 96 asks us, 
Josh Jackson is obviously paying off big dividends for the Grizzlies now and most likely in the future. Did the front office approach his situation perfectly, using him in the G League and then slowly transitioning him to the roster, or did that process have been quicker? I think that it could have been quicker. Uh, in my opinion, maybe around December, early January is probably when that move should have been made. We have to keep in mind it really was only because of the injury to Grayson Allen that Josh Jackson got the opportunity in the first place. It's very possible he could still be on the Memphis hustle right now. Um, probably not likely. I think by this stage, he probably would have been back on the main roster. But again, necessity brought about opportunity for Josh Jackson. I do think that we're prisoners of the moment at times, Parker. And I think that we look at Josh because of the way he's played the last five to 10 games as some valuable commodity. But you mentioned it a moment ago. Beyond Memphis, I don't see there being a gigantic market for big money for Josh and free agency. It's very possible the one-year, eight- or nine-million-dollar contract the Grizzlies can offer is the best deal that's on the table for Josh. And there's also no guarantee that, A, Memphis would offer that kind of contract, and, B, that the Grizzlies are even interested in keeping him around long-term anyway. It might be because of the situation that they're in that they're depending on Josh Jackson. It's not to say that Josh hasn't proven himself talented, an NBA basketball player, I think all of those things are true. I think Josh Jackson has kind of rehabbed himself, and I do believe that his stint in the G League, if nothing else, humbled him a little bit. It was a, a lesson in humility that the NBA doesn't need Josh Jackson. You need the NBA, and you want to get back into it. I think he learned a lesson there, at least just watching him from afar. Again, the conversation with Gary Parrish on a previous episode that you mentioned. I think the front office handled it well. And I do believe that it's paying off for Memphis because if anything, Josh Jackson at least values the fact that the Grizzlies wanted to try to rehabilitate him. Memphis could have just easily waived Josh Jackson when that trade with the Suns happened. And Josh Jackson may have never made another NBA team. That's certainly on the table given the reputation he had this past summer. So I do believe that it's better than most people expected it to be. You would think Josh Jackson would maybe be really annoyed with the fact that he was put with the Memphis hustle. But I think that he made the most of a situation. He built up trust within the organization. And now it's paying off both for the player and the roster when the Grizzlies need him most. Yeah, I I echo all your thoughts there. I do think that the whole hustle uh, humbling experience was good for him. And, I mean, we're seeing it pay dividends right now. I mean, his game is far more efficient. I did a look at the numbers the other night. And his three-point volume is higher, and he's taking less twos and more threes. And the big gripe in Phoenix was he was taking too many long twos. So seeing him fix that part of his game helps. He's honing in on the defensive end. I will say it's one of those things where they could have brought him back, you know, around the time where John Moran injured his back. But you also don't know what it would have done as far as letting D'Anthony Melton in the rotation either. And in December, I mean, I wasn't really keen on getting Grayson Allen out of the rotation in order to free Josh Jackson because Grayson Allen was playing very good basketball and he was probably the Grizzlies' best outside shooter at that point, aside from probably Jaron Jackson Jr. And also, too, you could have cut minutes from Solomon Hill, but if you didn't play Solomon Hill and he actually like, produced – do you think you could have thrown him in that trade and gotten the return that you got for in that Iggy Dollar trade? I don't know. So that's where I stand on it. 
I'm fairly positive that they had to take back Dion Waiters. There had to be some opportunity cost uh, in terms of the Grizzlies punting free agency in order to get Justice Winslow and the way things kind of played out. Um, that trade, and we'll talk more about this throughout, obviously, this episode, but also beyond, uh, that trade was more about the future than it was the present. And Josh Jackson being a part of the present for the Grizzlies did not necessarily mean he's a part of the future. So I am fascinated by how that's going to play out. I do think Josh has proven himself a viable NBA player. I think he will be on an NBA roster next year. I'm just not sure it's going to be in Memphis. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinex, joined by my co-host, Parker Fleming. Uh, we're taking your questions from Twitter and Facebook. We'll get a couple more in here before our break halfway through the show. Uh, the the man that we need to give credit for all of this, Parker, uh, Mr. Yuri at Just Ask Why, uh, he asked for this. He wanted some Q&A time, and, and we appreciate him being a part of the GBB community and, and wanting our take on some things. He asked lots of good questions. The main one that I want to discuss with you, Parker, because I think it's really interesting, uh, Yuri says he's not a huge fan of the 11-man rotation. So what Yuri means by that is it's almost certainly going to be, once everybody's healthy, John Morant, Dylan Brooks, uh, somebody on the wing, eventually Justice Winslow, maybe not right away, but let's just say Justice Winslow for the sake of ease. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Jonas Valanciunas. Those will probably be the five starters. From there, you got Tyus Jones. You've got DeAnthony Melton. You've got Justice Winslow or Kyle Anderson, whichever one isn't starting. You've got Brandon Clark. You've got Josh Jackson, and you've got Gorgie Jang. That's 11 guys, 11 viable rotation players, and the Memphis Grizzlies have played 11 guys a majority of the season, especially when healthy. Nobody really plays a ton more minutes than 30 minutes a game when they have their full slate of players. Yuri is asking, what would the contending nine-man rotation look like? So essentially, who would drop out if everybody's healthy? What two guys would come out of the rotation? I'm going to get your take on this first and then kind of give mine. I'm curious as to what you're going to think. Uh, my take might surprise you a little bit. But I do believe that, especially once you hit the playoffs, an 11-man rotation doesn't make a ton of sense. There's no back-to-backs. There's no, you know, three games and four nights. If the Grizzlies are fortunate enough to make the playoffs this season and they take on the Lakers in the first round, they're going to find themselves in a spot where they can play a nine-man rotation and have their best chance to try to pull off an upset. What do you think that would look like, in your opinion? If you were Coach Parker Fleming, what would your nine-man rotation for the playoffs look like? Shoot. Um, for one, I do like the 11 man rotation. That is one of, I feel like that's one of pop or not pop, uh, Budenholzer's tenants in his coaching. Um, I remember even I went to the Eastern conference finals game five last year and they play, well, they actually played nine players in this one, but mo it's weird because most teams, they usually go like seven or eight. And so I was confused when Sterling Brown and Pat Connaughton were getting minutes, but Nonetheless, um, nine-man rotation, I would have to go with, obviously, Jaw, Dylan. I would go Kyle for continuity's sake. Kyle, Jaron, and Jonas. Off the bench, I would go Tyus, Melton, Anderson, Clark. And then I would have, basically, JV and Jaron play the five at all times. Okay, I think that's an interesting way to look at it. I do think that you saw in the Orlando Magic game a loss, uh, a bad loss, depending on your perspective, I guess. 
Uh, you saw that Valanchunas is kind of unplayable at times, and I know you love Jonas, and he is, I think I made the argument on Twitter, and this might be a good future article over at grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, aside from maybe Montrez Harrell, there's not many better value bigs in the NBA than Jonas Valanchunas in terms of what production he gives for the salary he commands. But I think even you, as a big Valanchunas fan, can admit he's not the best defender in the pick and roll, and the Magic abused that. Um so there's going to be times where he's not going to be able to be played, and that's okay. He's still a valuable big. He does awesome job or an awesome job on the boards. He's a scoring threat when the Grizzlies need him to be and when the offense is stuck in the mud. So there's value there. I'm not judging him. I'm just acknowledging that Clark and, Val- and uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. may be better fits there. I think that you can kind of play the hot hand. And what I mean by that is that you have your guys that are undeniables. You've got Ja Morant. You've got Dylan Brooks. You've got Brandon Clark. You've got Jaron Jackson Jr. You've got Jonas Valanciunas, Tyus Jones, DeAnthony Melton. I think those guys are all locks for a playoff rotation. If Justice Winslow is healthy, I think he's a lock for the playoff rotation because he's just better than all of these other guys that we're about to talk about. From there, it can be matchup specific. It can be who's playing the best basketball right now. But I think some combination of Gorgie Dang, Kyle Anderson, Josh Jackson, they're not guaranteed a nine-man rotation spot, but they are in that mix. And depending on, especially against the Lakers, if they go with a big lineup, you put Dang out there. If they go and they run a little bit more and they have a little more size and athleticism, you go with Josh Jackson. If you need another facilitator offensively and a a better defender defensively on LeBron, uh, you go Kyle Anderson. There's ways. It's almost like a pitcher in baseball. I've used that analogy before. Your fastball can be Josh Jackson. Your changeup can be Kyle Anderson. The curveball can be Gorgie Dang. You can kind of mix it up a little bit. I like the ability of the Grizzlies to be able to throw a little bit of different pitches at these guys, uh, the Lakers, whoever they see in the playoffs, most likely the Lakers. Um, but I like that even once everybody's healthy, they can start to deploy that in the regular season and see what it looks like. Uh, we got time for one question, one more question from Twitter here before the break. Obviously, the Grizzlies are being chased by multiple teams for that eighth and final playoff spot. The Sacramento Kings are in that mix. The Portland Trailblazers, who Memphis plays on Thursday, are in that mix. Uh, but the team that most folks apparently think are going to catch the Grizzlies are Zion Williamson and his New Orleans Pelicans. Charlie Nichols at from the Raptors asks us. Any particular thoughts on the future of a Grizzlies-Pelicans rivalry? I know I think about it a lot. I don't think about it a lot, Charlie. I know other people do. I do think that the Southwest Division has some of the best young talent in the entire NBA. And I do believe that between the Mavericks, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans, we're going to see a lot of interesting chases for the playoffs over the next 8 to 10 years, as long as the Grizzlies are able to keep the core of this young team together. Uh I think there's potential for a rivalry, but I think it's kind of forced. Zion and Jaw play different positions. They like each other. It's not like it's that kind of a rivalry where they're yelling at each other on the court or talking trash. They're buddies. They grew up together in South Carolina. I think it could be a friendly rivalry. I could see the Dallas one maybe being a little bit more contentious than the Pelicans, but at the same time, obviously Dallas is the better team than the Pelicans and the Grizzlies. In the here and now, the race for eighth, Pelicans and Grizzlies would be more interesting, and I could see why fans would uh, would like that idea better. Uh, what do you think about a potential Pelicans-Grizzlies rivalry? I am 100% here for it. But like you said, I don't think it's going to be one of those like there's any animosity. I think, if anything, the rivalry is more fan base driven rather than on-court driven. Like I'm, You're not going to see John Morant and Zion get – heated or even for that matter John Moran and Lonzo Ball 
who that's actually the positional matchup we're going to be seeing. And that's actually the one that I'm most excited about, to be honest, probably aside from Jaron and Zion. But I can kind of see maybe Grizzlies Mavericks more than Grizzlies Pelicans because like, I do think the Mavericks are a better team right now. But when you go down and say like two or three years from now, the Mavericks, it's still kind of shaky beyond Luca and Kristaps. It's just one of those things that Luca and Kristaps, they have the upside to be top 10 players in this league while Luca's already a top 10 player. And also, too, I you can kind of sense a little arrogance from both Luca and Kristaps in the way they play. And you can kind of see something actually spill on the court there. I'm not saying like a full blown malice and palace or anything, but things could get a little chippy. So if you want like rivalry, people need to start looking at Grizzlies Mavericks. I don't disagree. I'm with you there. And I do think one of the fascinating things about that Southwest division, again, uh, I think Luka Doncic has to be number one in terms of young prospects. Zion Williamson, I know a lot of people have two. John Morant to me is three, maybe Trey Young, but at worst, three of the top five young players in the NBA are all in the Southwest Division. So as long as the divisional system stands, I think we're going to see a lot of fun basketball for years to come. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will finish up. Thanks to those who asked questions on Twitter. Uh, If if your question wasn't answered on the podcast, a good chance that it'll be addressed in our post that'll come up on Thursday. When we come back from the break, we will discuss some Facebook questions uh, leading off with somebody that I'm pretty sure is related to you, Parker. Uh, Spoiler alert, but uh, we'll, we'll get to that here momentarily. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I'm your host, Joe Monax, joined by my co-host, Parker Fleming. No guests this week except for you guys, the, the followers on social media, on Facebook and Twitter of grizzlybearblues.com. We appreciate you guys. We put out the call for questions, and you came through big. We're answering some of them here. Others will be answered in post form over at grizzlybearblues.com on Thursday. If you're listening to the show, you can read the answers to those questions there uh, as you go through the site's content leading into Grizzlies Trailblazers that night. Now we're on Facebook, and I'm pretty sure Jason Fleming is your dad. Is that a fair guess, Parker? That is my dad, yes. Yeah, he's your father. And, you know, I thought I would like your dad more than I do. Uh, But he asked this question, and those of you that have followed me for a while, especially this season, know why this question would frustrate me. Uh, Jason Fleming asks on Facebook, do you think it's essential to have veteran leadership on a team and did the trade involving Jay Crowder hurt the team in that area? In a word, no. And um, I, I think that Jay Crowder might be the most overrated Memphis Grizzly in the history of the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, he was essentially a little bit better version of Tayshawn Prince, not Western Conference Finals Tayshawn Prince, the year after Tayshawn Prince, where I had to write an article called The Bright Side of Tayshawn Prince that literally hurt to type. Uh, in terms of just trying to be positive about the guy, what type of player he was. He's a great front office guy now, it would appear, but that year he was just not a very good basketball player, especially offensively. Um, Jay Crowder was only a little bit better in terms of his percentages and all that stuff. I understand folks loved him. They liked that he embraced being in Memphis, whereas Andre Iguodala never embraced the Memphis Grizzlies in any way, shape, or form. So I understand the love for Jay Crowder, I don't think losing him hurt the team. They had Kyle Anderson. They had Jonas Valanciunas. They had other guys that were in those veteran roles. They won games after the trade. 
I think what hurt the Grizzlies more than anything was the injuries they incurred and the fact that they played a pretty brutal four-game road trip to come out of the All-Star break. All of that added up to their slow start uh, post-All-Star. I'm not so sure Jay Crowder being gone had that much to do with it. Do I think veteran leadership matters? Yeah, but I think there's already veterans on the team. They may be different than Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill, and those guys. I don't think losing Jay Crowder hurts Memphis as much as people think it does in the short term. In the long term, that trade was a win for the Grizzlies. Uh, Justice Winslow could be a starter on a future championship team in Memphis. That's possible. That wasn't going to be Jay Crowder. That wasn't going to be Solomon Hill. It sure as hell wasn't going to be Andre Iguodala. They got that in return in, in Justice Winslow, and all they had to do was punt free agency a year in a weak free agency class anyway. So I'm a fan of the move. I don't miss Jay Crowder. Uh, apparently your dad might. Uh, what do you think about the Jay Crowder absence and how it's connected to the Grizzlies, Parker? Uh, don't worry. I'll go downstairs after this podcast and tell my dad <laughs> that he was wrong. But um, I, I do think veteran leadership is important. I've written about it on GBB for – as long as I've been there where I think there is something where, you know, we've seen teams in the past, like the Utah jazz, the Brooklyn nets, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Indiana Pacers, they surrounded their young core with veteran talent. And as a result, they exceeded expectations and surprised people. And they kind of accelerated their rebuild. And I think that's what happening. That's what's happening with the Grizzlies right now. But like you said, with the Jake Crowder trade, I mean, they got Justice Winslow, and they also replaced what they lost in the locker room with more veterans. I mean, they brought in Gorgie Dang because they flipped James Johnson for him, and because they waived Deion Waiters and Jordan Bell, they were, one, able to use one of those roster spots to go get a pretty good prospect in Jonte Porter, but they were also able to go get a veteran in Anthony Tolliver who's been around many locker rooms over his 11-year career. So they were able to kind of accomplish both where it's like, okay, we have a veteran that can one, mentor the young guys, and two, fill in while Jaron and Clark are out. Meanwhile, we're also building for the future. So the two can go hand in hand, and I think the teams that have the successful rebuilds, they uh, they kind of go the same thing as the Grizzlies. They have it hand in hand. They're going to have veterans that help these young guys, but at the same time, there's still that prioritization in the future especially in a small market, and you and I have talked about this before, and I've talked about it over on the blog. If you're going to build a championship contender in a small market, you have to take calculated risks. And the Justice Winslow trade is a calculated risk. So I understand the love for Jay Crowder. Again, Jay Crowder was a total pro while he was in Memphis. He mentored those young guys. You could tell that they cared about him and Solomon Hill as well. Shout out to those guys. I'm being serious. But at the same time, it was never about this season. They were able to take those contracts and turn it into a more long-term move. So I applaud Zach Kleiman for it. And I think that we'll see the payoff of that. Maybe not this season, but in the future. And that's okay because it was never really about this season. But we'll get back to that here in a moment. You're listening to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. We have time for a couple more questions from our commenters on Facebook. You mentioned Anthony Tolliver a moment ago, Parker. Uh, Pam Penniman Daggett wrote, could you please consider giving Anthony Tolliver a contract? I'm guessing she means a contract for at least the rest of the year. I believe he has another 10-day that he could be offered, and then Memphis has to make a choice whether or not they're keeping him around. Uh, 
I'll consider it. I like Anthony Tolliver a lot. You mentioned his veteran credentials, and he certainly has those. He can space the floor, which the Grizzlies desperately need. You can give him credit for waking up the offense at times, given the spacing that he provides. But he's also, and you mentioned it, kind of a space filler while Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson Jr. are mending. I don't think there's a role for him uh, long-term beyond that veteran presence. So if the Grizzlies don't have plans for that roster spot, and I think they might, maybe converting John Conchar to a multi-year contract, that might be in the mix. There's no intel on that per se. Just kind of reading the tea leaves, I think they value Conchar a good bit. He's played well. It would allow for him to stick around beyond this year uh, and not be on a two-way deal next year and would give the Grizzlies opportunities for other two-way contracts if they kept Conchar around. So I could see them maybe signing Tolliver to one more 10-day and then letting him walk. But at the same time, if they signed him for the rest of the year, I wouldn't necessarily be against it because of that veteran presence we mentioned. But beyond that, and you said it already, Parker, he's insurance in case something else happens to Jaron or Brandon. They need a big that can shoot the three from that four-man position. Tolliver can do it, and he's been successful in his limited run with the Grizzlies so far. No, I agree. I would be more inclined to do just one more 10-day because if something – let's say something not, – I'm knocking on wood right now. Something that happened for the Grizzlies with Jaron and Clark, it happens in your backcourt, and you lose two guys from your perimeter. You could end up not giving – Tolliver anything past his second 10 day and you can go out and go get like a Tyler Johnson or an Alan Crabb to fill in while you're making this playoff push. Um, this is also, this is no Intel. This is just something I have been thinking. Cause I've been thinking about the whole Conchar thing too. Um, I think one thing you will see is something happened this summer. The reason why I don't see anything happening at the end of the season is because the Grizzlies have already passed the January 15th deadline to give out two ways. So I would think if they were going to promote a two way into a full-time roster spot, they would do that under the assumption that can already fill that two way spot. If that makes sense. But I like Tolliver. I like what he's been for this Grizzlies team. I'm not opposed to keeping him, but I would just say one more 10 day, just in case something else happens. Finishing up here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live, where our guest on this episode of the show is you guys, our commenters on Facebook and Twitter. I'm joined by my co-host, Parker Fleming, as I am just about every week that we record a GBB Live. I am your host, Joe Monax, the site manager over at the wonderful grizzlybearblues.com. Uh, we're finishing up here with this last question, and I saved this one for last. You probably saw this coming, Parker, a little bit. Uh, Rob Grossman said, after being in the eighth spot for what seems like a while now, how disappointing will it be? If they slip up and miss the playoffs, albeit still way ahead of schedule of anybody's reasonable expectations for a young team. So that's Rob's question. Will you be disappointed? Say all the predictions of 538 and Kevin Pelton, who hates the Memphis Grizzlies for some reason, and all these other folks say the Grizzlies are going to fade and fall out of the playoffs. They fall into the lottery. Uh, They probably still convey the pick to Boston, which doesn't really matter anymore for reasons we've already discussed. Let's say Memphis doesn't make the playoffs. Will you be disappointed or how disappointed will you be, Parker, if that comes to fruition? If they miss the playoffs, I'll be disappointed because it's playoff basketball. You know, it would have been fun. But the fact that the Grizzlies really, even though they missed the playoffs the past two years, this is the first year they rebuild. 
the fact that they're in the conversation when they weren't supposed to be. In fact, we were supposed to be talking about, honestly, in the alternate universe, this podcast that we're having, we're having questions about Anthony Edwards or LaMelo Ball. But, or if the Grizzlies should draft James Wiseman and forget about Jaron Jackson Jr. or Brandon Clark. But we're talking about the playoffs, and I'm just eternally grateful for that. So, nah, I wouldn't be really disappointed. Shout out to Chris Harrington, who pointed out on Twitter, you know, there was a lot of outrage about the quote-unquote bad loss that the Grizzlies took uh, to the Orlando Magic on Tuesday night. And given the way that the season has played out in terms of the playoff push, it was a bad loss. The Grizzlies need to chalk up as many wins as they can. They were unable to do so against the Magic. Uh, But the fact that that's a meaningful basketball game in March after multiple seasons now, two seasons uh, to be exact, of not meaningful basketball in March, and it's so ahead of schedule. A team that was supposed to be one of the five worst in the National Basketball Association is a legitimate contender for a playoff spot in a first year of a rebuild that a lot of us anticipated it taking multiple years. That's really impressive. So I, I tweeted out an image of icing on the cake, and I stand by that idea because I do believe that the icing on the cake here is the fact that we're able to have these debates. We're able to talk about questions like, Josh Jackson staying a relevant member of the rotation. That was the question of the day on Twitter. And thanks to the over 240 folks that voted, uh, 64% of people want to see Josh Jackson's role either stay the same or grow, even when the team is completely healthy. That's remarkable, Parker. That shocks me. We thought that Josh Jackson wouldn't even be on the team at this stage, some of us. A lot of people, even the most ardent Josh Jackson supporters, didn't think that he would be somebody that could possibly help a playoff push. And if you say that you did think that, you're lying. And I need evidence to the contrary that you're not lying about it because that wasn't in the cards for this team six to eight months ago. It wasn't in the cards for Josh Jackson. Now we are in reality where Josh Jackson is contributing to a playoff roster for the first time in his career because Lord knows Phoenix wasn't in that mix. We're looking at DeAnthony Melton, who the Suns essentially gave us for nothing alongside Josh Jackson. He was the second leading vote getter. So two players that this Grizzly front office got for essentially nothing are, let's see, quick math, 93% of this poll that we did about who should have a big role in a healthy Memphis Grizzlies rotation, which means that Jaron Jackson Jr., Brandon Clark, Justice Winslow are all back. Obviously, Grayson Allen not included in that. But folks believe in two guys that were not here a year ago and were not believed to be a part of a winning culture until they arrived with the Memphis Grizzlies. That in and of itself speaks volumes. And I do think that that all has to be kept in perspective. If they fall out because their schedule is so tough and they're not able to overcome it, they are still so far ahead of what people expected them to be that the future is so much more bright, so much more quickly than we anticipated. And I think that is worthy of celebration. No, I agree. Um, I actually I voted for Melton just because we've seen how impactful he is. Uh, I do all these numbers looking at duos and trios and lineups. He's just about at the top of every best lineup in terms of net rating. He's in like six of the 10 best duos among net rating. And he's just a very impactful player. I also think there's just a lower variance with him. You just know at bare minimum, he's going to be productive, whether it's just being an elite defender or like last night he had set his stat line was seven, seven and six. And he was like a plus seven. 
I mean, uh, that's just who I believe in. Also, too, they made that Phoenix trade for D'Anthony Melton, and they just had to take on Josh Jackson to get him. So I got Melton. But still, it's still a great thing to where these guys were guys that, you know, the Grizzlies were just taking a chance on and seeing, like, okay, like, what can they add here? Let's just give them a shot. And they are probably two of the guys that have played two of the biggest instrumental roles of why we're here beyond besides like John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. Obviously, but everything changed when DeAnthony Mellon entered the rotation. And I don't think that's by accident. Shout out to Zachary Kleiman. He's not going to win executive of the year, but he, he should be a dark horse candidate because of the moves that he made to make the Grizzlies more relevant than they had any business being right now. Of course, the luck of getting John Morant in the lottery uh, that they kind of fell into, but the DeAnthony Melton and Josh Jackson trade, they didn't fall into. The ability to get Justice Winslow, they didn't fall into. Uh, there's moves up and down, re-signing Jonas Valanciunas to the contract they did. Uh, they deserve credit for that. Tyus Jones has been awesome the last month or so. You did a great job writing an article about Tyus Jones and his nickname Tyus Stones over at the site that folks should check out. Uh, just hit after hit after hit. Uh, it's really been impressive. Coach Taylor Jenkins deserves a lot of credit. Uh, there's a great article up at GBB, I believe, by Mr. Brendan Smart about the defense and how they've improved under Taylor Jenkins of late. Uh, there's a ton of great content over at GBB, and every day it really illustrates just how far ahead these Grizzlies are. So be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs. I get that. I understand. Be a fan. But at the same time, enjoy the fact that they're playing competitive basketball a lot sooner than we anticipated them doing so. Parker, this was a lot of fun. I think we should do this again sometime. We really should. Do you know, actually, what would be really cool, too, is if we did it in like a Periscope or something, Ooh. and we just answered the questions in real time. That's really fancy. on our toes. That might, be, that might be something we look into down the road. Well, thank you, Parker, for your time. As always, I appreciate you, buddy. Uh, I'll have you back on hopefully next week. Obviously, we're away for a couple of weeks here. Some things coming up here and there. You don't care about that but we will hopefully get back to more regular schedule with GBB live. We'll have a guest or two back on the next episode of the show for my good buddy, Parker, my great co-host for all of our guests week. Those of you that voted in the question of the day poll, everybody who shouted us out on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you guys so much. Make sure you're checking out grizzlybearblues.com every day for terrific content from Parker, myself and our awesome staff until next time, ladies and gentlemen, grind forth. This has been grizzly bear blues. Thank you.